You know, there's some lovely worship in this place today. And there's just an anointing for worship. And people have been praising the Lord. Do you know there's something about worship? It's all about God. But you know, we were born to worship God. And when we worship God, things change on the inside. That, that's why the devil hates worship. And that's why sometimes we struggle in our worship. I mean, there's a lovely, you're not struggling in your worship tonight, darling. Oh, you little baby there. Out of the mouth of babes, you see. And when there's an anointing, it's wonderful to praise and to worship. But sometimes there's a battle to praise and worship. It's one of the big battles. Never underestimate the battle of praising God and worshiping God. Because the enemy seeks to oppress us. And so that's why sometimes when, when, you, when you're ready to worship, not tonight, but I'm just saying that when you're ready to worship, all of a sudden you feel a bit down. You think, I don't want to, or we don't really sing like we should. We just mumble the words and, and everything. It's spiritual warfare. And so it's so wonderful and releasing and healing to worship the Lord. And that's what's been happening tonight. Just a lovely flow of healing and wholeness that comes as we do what we've created to do. We're going to sing a, a, another. We're going to sing that song we've been speaking about, opening the heavens. And I believe that God really wants to touch people with healing in the area of the mind tonight, the mind and the brain and things like that. But before we move into that, we've been singing Open Up the Heavens, and now we're just going to sing Rain on Me. And as we sing it, mean it. You've been meaning it all night, but bring extra meaning to those words and mix those words and that worship with faith. And God's going to do something tonight.
sound. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound of revival rain. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. tonight prophesy over your family tonight <laughs> prophesy over your home tonight so we say rain come on sing it out church rain on me place today and uh, you suffer from memory loss, short-term memory loss, or your memory is, is just it's not working like it should, 
you're not remembering things like you should, and you suffer from uh, memory difficulties. If that's you, we want to pray for you tonight. I want you to leave your seats. Even if you're upstairs in the balcony, we'll wait for you. And come down and come up on the platform. We're going to pray for you. Anything to do with memory problems, we're going to pray for you. Also, if um, you uh, suffer from uh, dyslexic-type problems, if you've, got, if you've got any dyslexia or any tendencies to that, then we want to pray for you as well. Come up on the platform, and uh, we're going we're to pray for you tonight. So come out. Believe that God wants to do, do something. We're going to also pray for people that are having problems with fiery darts. You can take your seats for a moment unless you're coming out. We're going to pray. After that, we're going to pray for people to be released from oppression from fiery darts. You know those fiery darts that the enemy fires into your mind? They're like arrows. They burn and they keep you captive. Negativity. If you suffer from negative thoughts, that's what we're going to be praying for next. Now, I'm not saying you're a negative person. You know, sometimes you can have people you meet, they're the life and soul of the party. They're always smiling. They're always happy. But actually, they can suffer from great negative thoughts when they're by themselves and, and everything. So we're not saying that you're a negative person, but you've been suffering from negativity. Negativity gets hold of your mind. You, you wait. God's going to do something for you tonight. But we've got people up here, and um, we're going to pray for them. The ministry team are going to pray for them up here. And, uh, and so they've got, is, we've got, how many people have got, uh, uh, you, you need a touch in your memory area? Come forward, come right to the front. If it's memory, that's right. Just come to the front, memory. And we'll pray for that first. And um, we're going to believe that God is going is to do something. Memory, just come to the front if it's memory. Then we're going to pray for, for other issues. Now, we believe that as we've been praising God, God's been pouring out a blessing. We've asked him to open the heavens. And, um, you know, we believe that God answers prayer. And we believe that, especially here at the 7 o'clock Holy Spirit fire service, you know, before the service, uh, you should have heard the ministry team praying. They pray so strongly into these places. And, and God is, you know, we're looking for the glory of God, God's reputation and God's presence to increase in these services. And we're believing also for great healing and wholeness to come into our lives so that we can function and do God's will better. And God came and, and God brought healing through his son in our lives and so we do this together I bring them up on the platform so that you also can pray for them where you are, there are no spectators at the Holy Spirit fire service and it could be, you know, I mean I don't want to be dramatic well okay let's be dramatic it could be your prayer that just tips the balance for somebody here couldn't it, if not why, why, why pray at all and so just where you're sitting, and you, you see up at the front here, we're going to be praying for people. We don't have the time. We don't need to, to ask them what their memory or short-term memory can be. Some of us just, just don't have bad memories. or just don't have good memories, do we? Well, why shouldn't we? Memory is a beautiful gift, isn't it? It's a beautiful gift to be able to remember things. Could be here tonight. You don't have to come out. But maybe, maybe you know, you, you need some memory help in your studies. You know, to have a gift of memory, to remember things, to remember people. There's nothing, it's, it's awful when people suffer from dementia and things like that, isn't it? Because when they lose their memory, they lose themselves and the appreciation of their families. And so 
we're, we're praying. And if you have anybody that's not here tonight that suffers from dementia or anything to do with memory, then w- and while we're praying for people here, let's pray for them. Let's release healing to everybody we know. Amen. I would like the ministry team to come to the front um, so that you can begin just to pray and lay hands on people here while the rest of us pray and I'll lead in prayer. Let's pray right now. Let's begin to pray for them. Ministry team, begin to lay hands. Just bless them. Lord, we believe in spiritual gifts and we believe that you gave a word of knowledge and a direction that you wanted to pray people with mind issues, memory situations right now. We thank you that we have the mind of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you love us, body, soul, and spirit. Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit's main goal in our lives is the renewal of the mind. The Holy Spirit is very interested in our minds, in what we think and how we think and how we use our minds. You said that we were to love God with all our mind as well as our strength so mind's very precious and so we pray father for those that are here today that are suffering from memory problems in their mind we ask lord we pray as a congregation that every single one of them will receive a fresh touch of healing and restoration in the areas of their mind. We release healing power into that area of the brain that deals with memories. We say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Pray that those memories would come back. Memories would be strong. Short-term memory would be acute. Lord, we pray that you will bless their minds, Lord, and that you will cause their minds to grow stronger, their memories to grow keener in the name of Jesus. If there's any physical ailment that's preventing them, in the name of Jesus we pray healing. If there's any miracle that's needed in the area of the memory, then let it come now in the name of Jesus. We pray also, Lord, for people that we know aren't here, but we pray for them in the congregation, people we know, family or friends suffering from situations where they're losing their mind by losing their memory. And we reach out to them from Kensington Temple tonight. We pray for those that may be watching on the internet with memory problems. Be healed right where you are. May God give you the anointing that he's giving here. We pray for all those that we know that aren't here, that are suffering from memory problems. We pray, Lord, you will release a healing on them. We name them. Why don't you name them before? If you know someone not here, it doesn't matter whether they're Christian or not Christian, name them before the Lord while this anointing is. Maybe he will visit them with salvation. Maybe he will visit them with healing. Maybe when you next see them, the Holy Spirit will prompt you to say a prayer for them in that area. And the anointing that's here tonight will be with you at that moment. Lord, release the mind of Christ. The healing anointing in the memory we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Also, we're going to move now and pray for everybody else on this platform. And they've come for various reasons. Some with maybe dyslexia. Anybody here on the platform that you have dyslexic problems? Why don't you come forward? I'm going to pray if you can make your way forward. Who else, anybody else got dyslexic problems? this platform come forward 
just let him come forward. I'm going to pray for you personally. So, two people. Has anybody else got dyslexic problems? Yeah. Okay, so if we can just make some room for the three. Okay. I've got everyone who's suffering from dyslexia. Just want to make sure, yeah? Dyslexic. Dyslex, dyslexia problem. for you. I'm gonna pray. Mark, come up on the platform. While I pray for them, I want you to lay hands on me because I suffer from dyslexia too. So I'll just pray for them. I'll pray, pray, pray for you. Okay, let's pray. And like I said, if you know anybody in your family or friends that suffer from dyslexia, then... Um, uh, pay Let, let's let's be where the Holy Spirit's working. <laughs> so many things are happening. It's okay. Just Father, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters here on the platform that you will visit them with a touch of your healing. We pray, Lord, for the healing of dyslexia, dyslexic tendencies. Father, we pray that your healing power will come and that you bring healing into those areas in the name of Jesus, Lord. Release your healing power and be healed from dyslexia in the name of Jesus. Be healed from dyslexic tendencies in the name of Jesus. May God touch your mind. Be healed from dyslexia in the name of Jesus. We pray for your mind that God will give you clarity in your reading and clarity in your thinking that there'll be a blessing and a healing in this dyslexic area in the name of Jesus. May the healing of God come into your mind, into these areas, that you will see things clearly in the name of the Lord. Father, release your Holy Spirit on this precious mind, we pray. And Lord, do something on the inside. Lord, we pray for dyslexic tendencies to leave. We pray, Lord, for a, a fine understanding in those areas by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let your healing come in the name of Jesus. We pray for everybody else that's on this platform that has come for problems of the mind and for healing, and we release healing upon them in the name of Jesus. Now, I want the ministry team, once you once you finish praying here to go down and, and front the platform because what we're going to do we're going to, we're going to pray for one more thing before I minister the word and we're going to pray for people that are really suffering from negativity in the mind you, it's not that you're a negative person necessarily you could be the happiest joyous person but, but negative thoughts negative darts that they're plaguing you they're following you everywhere and, um, you know, we, we all suffer from negativity here and there. It's called being in a fallen world. But this thing is really bringing you down. And, and you're getting down on these things far too much. And sometimes you think, why am I so negative all the time? Even this negativity is just not logical. But it's, it's grabbing you. It's got hold of you. And it's got hold of you enough to think, do you know what? I do need prayer. If that's you, I want you to leave your seats and come down right now. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you and believe that God will do something. We're going to put the shield of faith around you. Don't be shy. We're not going to ask you what the negative thoughts are. It can happen to anyone. Some of the most positive people on the outside 
are struggling with some of the most negative things on the inside. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. But we're going to pray for you. So come up. Don't be. Don't think, oh, I'm in the balcony. Shall I go down? Yes, come down. That's why you're here. God brought you here partly that he could minister to you. So if you've got negative darts and thoughts and it's got a hold on your mind, we're praying for your deliverance here tonight. If any of you need a healing touch in any part of your physical body, right where you're sitting, as we sing this and minister, just open yourself up and say, Lord, touch me, heal me.
here at the front, rest, uh, be seated. And if you've got your Bibles with you, if you could turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. This is a very powerful passage in the Scriptures. Because it's Jesus' in a sense, final model prayer to his disciples. And in it, it, it reveals the things that are most important to him. He's praying the things that are closest to his heart. And these are the things that he is praying right now. Or these are the themes that he's praying for right now. Because how many of you know that Jesus lives evermore to intercede for us. I mean, it's quite amazing to think about it. Three years ministry on earth, 2,000 years ministry before the Father in intercession and prayer for us. And Jesus' intercessory ministries, praying on our behalf, is one of the most important parts of the Christian faith and the Christian truth. You know, that's where the blood of Christ is so powerful. Because when Jesus makes intercession on our behalf, when he prays for us, he's not just coming there with words to the Father, he comes with the sacrificial blood slain 2,000 years. And you know, the blood speaks. So when Jesus prays, God hears him. And so as we go through this in this short time that we have, I want to pick up a few, a few themes here that will speak to us and show us the things that are on Jesus' heart right now, the prayers that he's praying right now, the prayers that he wants us to pray, and how he wants us to fulfill these things. We see in the, in the first five verses, Jesus prays to the Father about himself. This is such a wonderful prayer because it's like Jesus says, all right, you want to see how I speak to the Father? Well, come on in. Come on into my prayer life. Come on in and hear how I speak to my Father. Most of the time when Jesus prayed these prayers to his Father, he was by himself, getting up early in the morning, going to a quiet place, pouring out his intimacy with his Father. But here, he wants his disciples to come and to taste what's on his heart, what's on the Father's heart, and the main prayer lines of his ministry. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven. That's where he knew the answer would come. We were singing that earlier, pour out a blessing, open the heavens. Well, that's what Jesus was praying. He didn't look to the earth for the answers. Often we are looking far too much to the resources of the earth for our answers. But Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. 
Remember what glory means? Glory has two aspects to it. The first aspect of God's glory is his reputation. In other words, it's what he's done. The Bible is a book of testimony, speaking about all the great things that God has done. And through that, he has a reputation. It's the book of God's acts. And through his acts, we know his ways. And so when, when Jesus is speaking about the fact that I have glorified you on earth, he is saying, I did what you told me to do. Every act I did brought you glory, spoke about you, Father, demonstrated how you feel, demonstrated your mind about different aspects of human life, demonstrated your mercy. Jesus did nothing except he saw his Father do it. He displayed the Father's glory. Everything he did was to show people what the Father was like. And um, this glory was his reputation. And by the time those three years had finished, God's reputation on earth had been just displayed through everything that Jesus did. Jesus is the express glory of God in incarnate form. That was the glory, what I did. But also the character of his father. He revealed it. Thomas said to him, show us the father. And Jesus said, why are you asking me to show me the father? If you've seen the son, you've seen the father. Now, each one of us have been put on this earth to do the same thing. Okay, we're not the son of God, but in Christ we are sons and daughters of God, aren't we? And you say, well, I don't know what my purpose is on life. Your purpose is to glorify God. Your purpose is to show other people what God is like through your actions and your words, through the things you do and the things you don't do, through the things you say and the things you don't say. This is your purpose, to glorify the Father, to show one another what God is like, but more than anything else, to show those that don't know God at all what he's like. This is why we're here. You've given him authority, in verse 2, he says, over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. Isn't that wonderful? Authority for souls. You know, you, you, you look at the state of the nation and the state of Europe and the unfruitfulness of the church, in generally speaking, when it comes to souls, and we need a message like this. There is resistance in the spiritual realm against souls. But Jesus had authority. He said, you've given me authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to many. There are people out there that God is going to give to us as souls. People out there. And we take them by authority. God is going to put in our lives a fresh confidence in these coming days, in the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to save. The devil blinds the minds of the unbelievers, but the gospel has power to shine the light into their, into their hearts. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why didn't you say I'm proud of the gospel? But he said, I'm not ashamed. Right, because so many people were. And the reason that they were ashamed of the gospel is they'd been led to believe that it wasn't powerful enough. It's true if you look out at Great Britain today, you wonder where the power of the gospel is. 
You wonder where the demonstration is. You wonder where the souls are. You wonder where the revival is. But, but don't be deceived by what you see. The authority is there. God is fixing us and preparing us to use this authority. And then in verse 6, he begins to pray for his disciples. He says, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have, come and have known surely that I have come forth from you. And they believed that you sent me. He mentions a number of times about the word. He says, you've given me them. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have kept your word. They've known that all things which you've given to me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me. This is very important. Because the word of God is the essential thing. That, that, that's the gift that we've been given. The word of the gospel. The word of promise. All God's promises are yes and amen in God. The greatest gift that we have is the Bible touched by the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus was praying, he was saying, look, I've given to them the words which you've given to me and they have received them. God wants us to be hungry for his word like never before. I'm not talking about like uh, sermon connoisseurs who like to sip and taste this sermon and that sermon on God TV and this sermon at this church and that sermon at that conference. It's not about tasting sermons or being intellectually alone stimulated by doctrine. It says, I've given them the words, but they have received them. What he's talking about is the soil of our heart to be receptive to the word of God. Because when the soil of our heart is softened towards God, when we worship God, it softens our heart. When we pray, it softens our heart. When we humble ourselves and draw near to God, we're softening our heart. God's word works, but we, we, and sometimes we try and make God's word work too much. We're trying to figure out, how do I make God's word work? How do I make God's word work? How do I put it, how do I make it work? No, don't worry about the word. Worry about the heart. Don't figure out how the seed works. Jesus said, the sower sows the seed. The farmer sows the seed, goes to bed. He has no idea how it works, but he gets up and the seed has grown and sprouted. Don't worry about the word. It's like yeast. You put yeast in the dough and you put it in the oven. You don't, well, we do now, but they didn't know how it worked. They didn't know the chemistry of it. All they know is you put the yeast in, it goes through it and it, and it rises. Don't be, don't, be worried about the, don't be worried about the secret things and how the kingdom of God works. But be concerned with your heart that it's not stony. Be concerned with your heart that it's not hard. Be concerned with your heart that it's not filled with the cares of the world or with bitterness. Because if you make sure, with the help of the Spirit of course, that your heart is being increasingly softened, rather than increasingly hardened, then you will find that God's word will work. 
God's word will work. God's word of its own accord will begin to work. We, we make sure the soil is right. I think I mentioned to you uh, before, my father is a soil scientist. He's a geographer. He's retired. He was a professor of geography. And as a kid, I didn't think it was very cool that my dad was a soil scientist because I thought, well, you know, it's dirt, isn't it? And I used to go to his office and he had, diff- he had different soils on the shelves. And he would do special cores where he'd go and make a big core down in some soil somewhere in Spain, pull it out, and then he would make a plaster cast of it. And, um, you know, I, di- I didn't really realise at the time. But now, of course, we understand how important soil is in the natural world. Well, that's exactly the same in our lives. And they have received the word. He says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. And that's very interesting. You know, for God so loved the world that he sent his own son who didn't pray for the world. But it's not like that at all. What it is, is is that Jesus is praying for those that his father is drawing. And he is also praying for us because he knows that we're the ones that are to reach the world. Now, we can spend all the time praying for the world, and we, we do on Wednesdays and stuff like that. And pray. But you pray for the world, but if all we ever do is pray for the world, what's that going to avail? Isn't it true that Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest? He didn't say pray to the Lord of the harvest for souls. He said pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. What we need is laborers. What we need is a f- effective people in the harvest field. This is what evenings like this are all about and being healed and, be, and getting our hearts right. God is preparing us. So Jesus is praying for his disciples because they are the means to the world. This was his whole method and methodology. You know, he, he would dismiss the crowds, but he never dismissed his cell group, did he? He never dismissed his 12. They dismissed him when it got difficult. But he never dismissed them. And the majority of his time, and the closer he came to his cross, the less time he spent with the multitudes, and the more time he spent with those that the Father had given him, especially his 12. Why? Because he prayed for them. He inputted them. Because he knew that they were the ones that would go and take the harvest. He says... I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those that have been given to me, that they may be one as we are. For for time's sake, um, I can't read all of this, but this oneness is very important in this prayer. He puts it there. Also, later on, he he prays in, in verse 21, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world might believe that you sent me. Why is he praying about this oneness? Because this is where true power is going to be released in unity. Now, this isn't talking about some external sort of fake where everybody goes to the lowest common denominator. And, you know, we're we're all standing up from this denomination and that denomination and we're just putting on a front. It's not talking about those things that don't really have any power at all. 
It's talking about a heart oneness, a oneness of purpose and a oneness of heart. You know what it's like when you're a believer and you suddenly realize you've met another believer. I mean, a genuine disciple, a genuine believer. You may, you may be anywhere in the world and then suddenly you meet a genuine born again believer. You've already got a tremendous connection, aren't you? And so what, God, what Jesus is praying is that there will be a unity of purpose. You see, that was the unity that the Father had with the Son. It was a unity of purpose. I think I'll end on this tonight. We can always come back to this. A unity of purpose. It's not just oneness in this, that, and the other, like I said. It's a unity of purpose. You see, one of the most important words in the New Testament for believers is fellowship. You ever heard that word, fellowship? And the Greek word is koinonia, fellowship. Now that word, it, it, it's not like, oh, do stay for some tea and coffee at the end for some fellowship. Sometimes we use that for a nice conversation, that's fine. But that's not what ko koinonia is. Koinonia and fellowship is united together, partnering for a purpose. So when Paul takes up his offering in, um, I think it's Corinthians, and he speaks about partnering in the gospel, he uses the word koinonia. When we speak about uh, the, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the word is koinonia. And it's a, a unity of purpose. It's like a football team. When you, when you see the football teams that are really doing well, it's because they're united. When you see the football teams that aren't doing so well, you look at them, they're all over the place. They're not a unit, they're not playing together. And koinonia is like that, it's a fellowship, it's a unity with a cause, with a purpose. It's, it's a team playing in the results of getting goals. This is why the phrase, the Holy Spirit, my senior partner, David Youngie Cho's book, a great book, is so important because the Holy Spirit, it's not just about him blessing us and filling us and healing us and, and providing for us and, 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 and things like that. That's very important, but he's the Holy Spirit, the senior partner. We could use the word koinonia, partnership, fellowship. Why? Because he's got a purpose. He has a purpose for you. I mentioned it earlier tonight, to glorify the Father through everything you do. He's got a purpose of us together here at KT. He's got a purpose for the churches in London. He's got a purpose. It's a fellowship. It's a close fellowship. It's a deep heart fellowship. You know, it's amazing. They talk about the friendships that are forged in battle or the friendships that are forged when people are in a company that goes through a very difficult time or when people go through a difficult time together it's amazing the relationships that can be forged. If you've been around uh, life for any length of times and you've gone through some difficult times, you'll know that there's people that you've got who are friends for life. Do you know, I have people, a few people uh, on the opposite sides of the world. Um, I hardly talk to them at all, but I tell you what, I know they're there for me. I know who they are and they know where I and we might not talk for, for months and months and months, a few posts on Facebook, but if there's a problem, we go right back. Why? Because our friendship was forged in times of adversity. 
It was forged. And there was a purpose to our friendship. It wasn't fair-weathered friendship. You know, how are you today? Fine. How are you today? Fine. Goodbye. Goodbye. It was, we were there for one another. There was purpose. And when we found ourselves in situations, we were there for one another. And that forged something deep. That, that's what forges unity. Unity doesn't just come by passing bread around. Unity doesn't just come by ticking the same doctrines. Unity comes through fellowship, partnership, in an activity for God. That, that's where it, where, where it comes from. And so this unity that he's talking about is very important here. And so tonight, God has been working in our lives in different ways. There's been a beautiful touch of, healing, of worship here. And also the healing, we believe, and blessing of many people's minds and also other aspects. But I want to leave you with this prayer and maybe you'll visit this prayer again sometime soon. And know that basically Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for us with purpose. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. And your purpose is my purpose, and my purpose is your purpose. We're the body of Christ. We are different bricks in the temple of Christ. And so let us understand that when Jesus is praying for us, he has a plan. I want you to go out tonight knowing that God has a plan for you, a purpose for you, and he's right behind you. Father, we thank you for the touch of the Holy Spirit in this place tonight. We ask that we will go out in the power of the Holy Spirit this evening. We pray you bless us this week. We pray that you will show us this purpose to glorify your name and what it means in daily life to reveal you to those that are around us. Make us one, Lord. Make us united, Lord. We pray against the spirit of division that might try and come in into friendships and families and churches. We pray, Lord, that division would leave us and fellowship would come, true fellowship, koinonia. We pray that you will strengthen the koinonia of Kensington Temple London City Church, that you'll bring strength and purpose into our lives as a ministry, our lives as cell members. Bring koinonia into every cell, Lord. Strengthen the fellowship. Strengthen the purpose. May things of the kingdom take place there and be manifested there. And be with us the rest of this day. Cause your face to shine upon us. Let your blessing be upon us. Guard us against the enemy. Give us victory through the week. Give us purpose through this week. Let us, by the end of this week, when we come back on a Sunday night, let us say that was a week of purpose. We release the purposes of God in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen.